Well, good morning, church. Man, good response. If I don't know you, my name is Colby Mache, and uh, I am one of the pastors here. And my official title is Pastor of Vision and Mobilization. Uh, what that means for you, I'm not sure, but, uh, but it, I am one of uh, the pastors here and absolutely adore uh, my job. I, I get to pastor alongside one of my heroes and one of my favorite people uh, in all of the world, and that's Keith Pugh. And so if you're new with us, it, it is very normal for you to uh, see one of us. You may see us two weeks in a row. We may, uh, and then the other one may come up, but we, we uh, team teach and we co-pastor and it's just a wonderful atmosphere here. I think it's better for you uh, that you have uh, a team and, uh, and hope you enjoy that. But just for you new guys, know that I'm Colby. So I'm the little short bald one. And, uh, and so that's, that's me. But uh, if, if you will, open up your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 21. <clears throat> We're in the, the second message of a series that we've entitled uh, Doubters and Deniers. And, and this series flows right from where we've been all summer, which is the seven signs of John. And, and uh, we, we come today to look at Peter. So look at Peter, one, one of the most beloved people in all of biblical history. People love to love Peter. And Peter was kind of a stinker. He was a great leader. Okay, everybody always, people followed him wherever he went. He would end up being really the face of the preaching ministry of the church, at least in the early spread of the gospel of Jesus in the book of Acts. He's one who endured much suffering for the gospel's sake, for it to be proclaimed and people to believe and find life in Jesus Christ. He was the writer of First and Second Peter, two wonderful letters that bring hope and encouragement to us, his church now, Christ Church. He was a bold leader who tended to be very outspoken, a little loud, I identify with him. He was impulsive. And listen, at times he was, a lot of that's who Peter was, who he became by grace. But that's kind of what we think of when we think of the life of Peter, at least in the gospel accounts. And so today what we're gonna do is we're gonna be reminded from John 21. It's gonna take us a few minutes uh, to get there. And I'm just gonna be honest, the outline that you have in your guide I flipped that thing all up on its head. Okay, so we're, you just get ready to take notes. Uh, don't you be worrying about those two points. But we wanna be reminded today of three beautiful, encouraging gospel truths for us today as we look at Peter's denial of Jesus and Jesus's pursuing love and restoring grace that he had for Peter and that he has for us. So I wanna pray and then we are going to, uh, we're gonna jump right in. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the message that you have for us today. Lord, may uh, you shine light in the darkest of places. May you bring life where there is only deadness. May you do what only you can do. Lord, give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear your word, Lord, that we might know that you love us and you're for us and you care for us and that you've made a way to be present with us forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name, the name above all names. Amen. 
Amen. First thing we're going to see is this. And number one, you got to write this thing down. It's not in your your outline. Number one, we're going to see his gaze, the gaze of Jesus. And what we're going to see here is this, is how Jesus saw Peter and how Jesus sees you. Jesus saw Peter and Jesus, he sees you. And so to do this, let's just talk about Peter and kind of this road to where he denied Jesus three times to his denial. In Matthew chapter 16, you'll remember this conversation. Jesus is talking with the disciples and they're in Caesarea Philippi and there's all kinds of discussions about religions and idols and all kinds of things. And Jesus looks at them and he says, who do people say the son of man is? And so they start just like talking. It, it, could, have been, it could have been Peter, but I, I don't know. It just, they said, uh, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Who, who do you say that I am? And immediately Peter, impulsively and rightly, Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus, who wasn't shocked, he, in his words, he goes, wow, that that was great. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but my father has. It was a good day for Peter. He was right and he was dead on. You're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus then goes on and just starts speaking a word of blessing and hope over him. And he says, Peter, we we gotta redo this name. You're now gonna be called Rock. That's your name because on my rock, I mean, on the statement right there, that statement that Christ is the risen Lord, that he's the, he is the living God, the son of the living God. On that statement, on that truth, we're building the church. Great statement, Peter. Wonderful. And he said, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right after that, we're told of this other story of Peter. We're told right underneath that the next paragraph, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that they must go to Jerusalem or that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. That's an interesting conversation when you don't get it. But that's what Jesus says. And Peter takes Jesus aside Impulsive Peter, he pulls him aside and he says this. He rebuked him. You don't rebuke Jesus. I'm just gonna throw it out there, okay? He rebukes Jesus saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall, in a word that Peter had to remove from his vocabulary, you, uh, you, this shall never happen to you. He loves to throw out always and never statements. Be careful with those in your relationships. I'm serious. Be careful with those in your relationships. The only one who always and never does stuff is God. So really, let that be a side pastoral note to you. In your relationships, you watch out for always and never statements. Peter, he lets them fly. Jesus looks at him and turns and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Woo. He says, you're a hindrance to me right now. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Matthew 19, this is after the rich young ruler has talked to Jesus and all the disciples are doing what I would have done for sure. And they're laying in the ground. They're just going, how can anybody be saved? 
Jesus says, listen, what is impossible with man is possible with this God. Peter then, impulsive Peter, passionate Peter, he says what? He says, but see, we've left everything to follow you. Is this gonna work? This seems too hard. We've left everything. Jesus kindly says, yes, you have. Come on, come on. There's one of my favorite uh, times is in John chapter six, where we get an idea of how Peter is. This has been one of the most sanctifying verses actually in my entire life. But Jesus speaks to a crowd and he's telling everybody about, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I'm the bread from heaven. I'm the drink you need. And I mean, people are like, what is he talking about? And they just start going, this is getting weird. I don't know about this. And they walk off and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, are you guys gonna go too? And my man, Peter, impulsive Peter, he says, where else would we go that we can have life? We're staying with you. We might not get it right now, but we're staying with you. It's been one of the most helpful verses to me in my life and ministry. But Matthew 26 gets us to the point that we really need to see. And it's Peter's road to denial. Matthew 26, verse 30 tells us, and when they had sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives, this is where Jesus will be arrested. Then Jesus said to them, you will, and listen to what Jesus says, you will all fall away. I'm telling you what's gonna happen. I'm gonna go left. Okay, no, it's like in basketball. I'm, I'm telling you what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna school you. He says, you're all going to fall away on this very night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised, I will go before you in Galilee. Peter answered him, he says, though these guys, though they all, though all of them will fall away, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night, this night, before the rooster crows, you, Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter said again, opens his mouth and said, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Luke 22, verse 31 and 34, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demands to have you. That's scary, guys. Satan demands to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Remember, Peter's the one that wrote and said that Satan is like a lion seeking to devour. He got a little inside. He says, and when you, and you need to under, like, hear this, listen to it, it's gonna come up later in our text today. And when you have turned again, Strengthen these guys, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. That you deny three times that you know me. John 18, we're moving. All of these are gonna help us in our text today. John 18, verse 15 to 18. Simon Peter he followed Jesus and so did another disciple. This is after he's been arrested. This is the actual denial. Since that disciple 
was known to the high priest. And this is John. John's got the inside scoop. You know, he's, he's like not wanting to say his name. He's like, I'm the one that he loved the most. You know, I'm the one that, I know all these things. I've got all these connections. That's John. Okay, he's saying, you know, I know the high priest. So I entered in with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, that's John, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers made a charcoal fire in John 18, circle it, a charcoal fire, it's coming back. We're gonna have it again today. Because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves, Peter also with them standing and warming himself. Verse 25 tells us, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and he said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man who impulsive Peter cut his ear off, uh, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. Matthew 26 Another account of Peter denying Jesus says this. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and she said to the bystanders, uh, bystanders, uh, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. He said, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you two are one of them for your accent betrays you. Okay, it's like me being in Chicago and being like, yeah, man, I'm from here. They're gonna be like, no, you're not. Okay, I, like you from Alabama, we know it. Okay, like, that. like we know where you're from, man. We hear it in your accent. Says Peter, listen, I, I didn't notice this until, until this week. I didn't feel this. Says, then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. Peter goes into this thing. He, is, he does an oath. Like it's like the equivalent of like, oh, my mom, oh, my dad, on this. I swear I don't know him. I, may I be cursed if I know that man. That's what the apostle Peter did. Shocking. It says, and immediately the rooster crowed and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And we're told that he went out and wept bitterly. Last part that we need before we get in our text. Luke 22, verse 61. Immediately after he is denied him the third time, the rooster crows and verse 61 says this, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter caught the gaze of Jesus. 
today, we need to see his gaze. We need to understand that Jesus, he saw Peter. He saw him in the depths of this sin. And he sees us today. The Lord saw Peter. He saw him in this place when Peter had done for him the unthinkable. Like he never imagined he would do this. I think he really believed like all of these guys, they're capable of doing that. Like this little crew, yeah, they'll, they'll do that, but not me. He did the unthinkable. In this culture, a culture, just uh, the, an honor and shame culture, and it's not that far removed from us, but, but loyalty is such a big deal. And to turn your back and to deny, not, not just, you weren't just one of the 12, you were one of the three, like this is Jesus. This is not only your savior and Lord, this is your friend. And in this hour when he is suffering, you, you denied him and he saw, he looked at you. He looked at Peter. The Lord saw when he had done the unthinkable. The Lord saw when he, uh, revealed that he was not as strong as he wanted to believe. Now, Peter, man, I'm the rock, man. I would never do these things. I always stick with you. I'll go with you anywhere. And he did the very thing that he didn't think he was capable of doing. He wasn't as strong as he believed. The Lord saw. He saw Peter when what came out of his mouth was the very thing he said he would never say. And he did the very thing he said he would never do. And Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him. His gaze met Peter in that moment. The Lord saw Peter when he had hurt the people whom he cared about the most so he could save his own skin. And Peter knew there was a pattern in this. He was willing to sell out his friends. He was willing, man, don't do that. They're weak like that. They'll do that. But I, I would never with you, Jesus. Then he sold Jesus out. See, I don't, I don't know him. I don't know him. Let's think about Peter's response to his gaze. Peter's response to Christ's gaze. It was one of grieving. It was one of remorsing or remorse and turning away. When he met Christ's gaze, he felt the grief. He began to weep. He was there in remorse. But then he turned and he ran. He ran away. We'll come back there in just a moment. But I want you to think about not only does the Lord see Peter, not only did he see Peter, but the Lord sees you. The Lord sees me. He sees when we have done the unthinkable. And I want you to know, like, what we would consider unthinkable is probably much more shallow water than what the deep ends of what we're capable of actually doing is. So the unthinkable in your head today as you sit in the seat, it, 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 it could be kind of a relative thing. For, for, one of, for some of you, it may be, I, I can't believe I did the unthinkable and then I lied to my spouse again. I can't believe I did the unthinkable and that once again, I raised my voice and I humiliated my daughters. 
Once again, somebody here, somebody's doing, somebody's thinking it. It could have happened yesterday where the unthinkable happened and you looked at that thing again on your stinking phone that you said you wouldn't look at again. You looked at the very thing that you knew would destroy, that would hurt you because you were too lustful to stop. The unthinkable. And Jesus sees. Jesus sees you. His gaze catches you there. Hebrews chapter four. I'm going to uh, go there very quickly. Hebrews uh, chapter four, and you don't have to turn, but just listen closely. Very powerful verse. We're told in verse 13 that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. See, our sin is never as private as we wish it was. And Jesus sees. He sees when we've done the unthinkable. He sees when we're not as strong as we wanted to believe we were. He sees when we said the very thing that we said we would never say again, or we did the thing that we said we would never do. Jesus sees. He sees you. He sees when we hurt the people that are closest to us, the people that we care about the most for our own selfish gain. Jesus sees you. And here's the truth today. He sees you. He knows the most unlikable thing about you. He knows it and he loves you still. He loves you still. See, Peter's response to this gaze was remorse and running away. It was to turn away. But Christ desires for us today. Yes, sure, remorse. Like sin should cause us to, to be remorseful. Godly grief, yes, but don't run. Don't run. Don't be like Peter. Not remorse and run, but remorse and repent. Run, don't turn away from him. Repentance is not a list of bad things you did you're bringing to the Lord. Repentance is turning to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. One of the most beautiful passages also in the book of Hebrews. Wasn't expecting to go there uh, twice, but we're going to. Hebrews 12 says this, uh, in the middle of verse one and moving through two. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance, not away from Christ. Don't run with endurance away from him. Run to him. Run with endurance the race that is set before you, looking to Jesus, catching his gaze. The founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. People today, listen to me. As you catch his gaze, remorse, that makes sense. Oh man, remorse is biblical and right and good, but don't stay there and don't run away. Turn to Jesus. Let's keep, well, let's finally move into our uh, our text and we'll go much faster from this point. But, but John 21 
This is right where we left off last week, and we'll, we'll pick up and read the first few verses. We're told that after this, and this is after the, uh, the time with Thomas. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter and six other buddies, six of the disciples, they're sitting around. I don't know why they're not doing what Jesus told them to do in chapter 20. He breathed the Holy Spirit on them and told them to go out and be forgiven people and uh, go out and your sin as I, have, as, I, as I was sin, I'm sending you. I mean, he does that. I don't know why they're not, uh, you know, living their life in that calling. I'm not sure, uh, but they're just kind of hanging around, lounging around, it looks like. And Peter, the leader, he says, all right, well, I'm going fishing. <laughs> I don't know what else to do right now. I know how to do that. I'm going fishing. And so he gets up and the other guys, of course, do what they've done for years. And they go, we're going too, Peter. Okay, and, so they, and they go and they follow Peter to the boat. We're told that they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. All right, I'm sure there are many fisher people in the house, men and women. I'm sure you're here. Uh, one of Drew Flew, uh, one, one of his desires for like his whole life at this point is to help make me a fisherman. And so uh, we'll, we'll see if we dedicate an entire, you know, day or summer or year or whatever to that. But uh, we, we haven't made that happen yet. But I'm really not much of a fisherman, not really the son of a fisherman. <laughs> My dad's here. He didn't really fish uh, very often. We're not exactly the most fishing family. Uh, but here's what I would imagine would be true, that if I fished all night, and I didn't catch anything, I'm probably a little bummed out, okay? And if some of you is like, I just love being on the water. Not all night you don't, okay? Like, like that's just crazy. Like, you need to change your life if that's the guy. Okay, it's like, and, and here's the thing. So they're there, and then about a football field away, somebody's on the beach. They're not sure who it is. Disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. We know it's Jesus. Verse five, Jesus says to them, I love this. They've been fishing all night. He says, children, do you have any fish? <laughs> and they're like, no. <laughs> There's no other response. No, we sure don't. Okay. He said, well, cast the net. You got to love the guy, you know, telling you what to do from the beginning. Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, at this point, I believe that they're starting to, you know, something's triggering in their mind, okay? And they're probably thinking back on another occasion. Remember Luke chapter five? This is really when Jesus calls Peter. This is when he calls him to follow him, to leave what you're doing and follow me. Same thing happened, like Jesus been, he, he's, there's a big crowd coming to hear Jesus preach and, and there's nowhere for him to really get. And there's these two boats, that are empty because there's been guys on it all night that hadn't caught a thing and they're done and they're ready to go home and they're just finished with the day. And Jesus says, hey, can I use this boat? I need a place to preach. They say, well, sure. And evidently they hung around for the message. And after Jesus is done, he says, hey guys, y'all go back out and just do it a little differently. I'll tell you what to do. Peter's like, man, are you serious? Like, master, I'm gonna do this because I just heard what you said about yourself and what you said about the kingdom of God. I'm gonna like, that was amazing. I'm gonna believe you. Master, sure, I'll go get in the boat and we'll go back out. But we were there all night and we didn't catch a thing. He says, okay, we'll do it again. 
They go out there and there's so many fish that they caught that they can't even get, it's like causing the boats to sink, both of them. It's a lot of fish. Peter, after that, responds to Jesus in this way. He gets down on the ground and he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Now there's so much to talk about in that, but what I wanna show you is this, is that Peter, he is known for remorse. He's known for shying away. He's known for getting up and trying to get away from Jesus. There in Luke 5, now he ends up following him and he is with him uh, and we, we know this, but that was his default. And after the denial, he went right back into that default. He caught his gaze and he ran, but he didn't on the beach this day. And I want you to see in this text that Jesus pursued Peter and Jesus pursues you. I want you to see his loving pursuit. See, the last time he said, get away from me, like depart from me, like I'm a sinful man. This time, they do what he said. They toss the net on the other side. They can't even, they're trying to get the fish in the boat. There's 153 fish they catch. They're, we're told that in the text. And they're large. And John leans over to Peter and he goes, it's the it's the Lord. And Peter says, it is. And guess what he does? This time he doesn't fall down. This time he doesn't say, get away from me. This time he doesn't say, depart. This time he does the strangest thing, I think in the whole text. He puts on his clothes and jumps in the water. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. Yeah, like he's out there with no shirt and he's like, time to shirt up and get wet. Okay, that's what, that's what he does. So he, uh, he puts on his little hat, puts on his clothes and he jumps in. He jumps in. And he swims as fast as he can to get to the shore. He doesn't even wait for the boat to get there. He doesn't wait with the other guys as they're working with those fish. He doesn't do that. He just swims as fast as he can to Jesus. The one whom he denied, but the one that he knew was there pursuing him. Look at what we're, what we're told it says, <clears throat> man, where am I? I lost my spot. Come on, Kobe. Come on. Let's see. Okay, I'm just going to flip there. I'm lost. We're told this, that <clears throat> Jesus said to them, uh, or, or when they got out on the land, so the disciples have now gotten there, they saw a charcoal fire in place. So you remember I told you earlier, we, we need to make sure we circle in John 18, charcoal fire. We have another charcoal fire back here in this text. They saw a charcoal fire in place and fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus has already cooked them breakfast. He's already prepared them a meal and he has it ready for them. And as they come up, he says, hey, bring some of the fish that you just caught. And we're told there was 153 fish. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Jesus pursued them for breakfast. He pursued them for relationship. He pursued them for a reminder of his deep and restoring grace and his forever love that he has for his people. 
But this breakfast, though it was special for all of the guys that were present, it was intentional for their leader. This was an intentional meal for their leader. For this morning, this breakfast, it was about loving Christ's church. And that's deep, but that's what it was about. It was about restoring and renewing Peter in who he was in Christ and the life that he was called to in Christ. Jesus pursued Peter and Jesus pursues you. Lastly, I want us to see that Jesus restored and he renewed Peter. And Jesus restores and renews us. Verse 15 says that when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Clearly referencing all of these guys will fall away but not me. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these guys? And it's a call, not of comparison. He's jogging the memory here of when he doesn't have to work hard to do so. We're already sitting in the smell of the fire that reminds him of his remorse. And here around this fire, he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, well, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus looked at him. He said, well, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And listen, Peter was grieved. Remorse came back. He was grieved and he said, uh, uh, because he said a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. This time he didn't get up and walk away from his gaze. This time he sat in it and he said, you know You know the depths of my heart. You know that I love you. Jesus looked at him and said, well, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, this is what your life's gonna be. You will be stretched out. You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not wanna go. And we're told this, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And church history tells us that Peter was crucified upside down. After saying this, he said to him, Jesus looked at him and he said, follow me. I want you to think about these two fires, the charcoal fire of remorse and denial, and then the charcoal fire, this when the culture is restoration and renewal. We got the scent of remorse in the air, but that's not what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring restoration to the life of Peter, to renew him in the presence of the other disciples. Those who knew what he had done, 
And he speaks over them who he is and what he's called to do. Around this fire, instead of Peter denying Jesus three times, he three times confesses his love for Christ. And three times Jesus affirms his status in the kingdom of God and his ministry that he gave him. See, maybe Peter felt like the prodigal a bit. You remember the prodigal when he was on his way home? And we've talked about this here numerous times, but on the way home, he's got his speech rehearsed. Maybe when he jumped in the water to swim to Jesus, he had his little speech rehearsed. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was, hey, I know I can't have the status that I had, but can I still get somewhere in the back of the 12? Can I still be part of your people? Can I still be a disciple? Can I still be this? Can I still walk with you? Can I still be your people? I don't know what it is that he was expecting or what he had planned out, but I imagine it might've been kind of like the prodigal that said, I am better off in my father's house. If I can just get in a room somewhere, I'll be safe, I'll be secure, I'll be fed. These things can happen, but I can't be his son anymore. Not practically. He might be my dad, but I can't be his son. And I think for Peter, he might've said, you know, Jesus can be my savior, but I don't know how to relate anymore in his kingdom. And Jesus speaks over him a word that reflects the hug and the embrace of the father and the prodigal. And he said, you're home. You're here. I'm with you. I love you. I've seen it all. I know where you've gone. I know where you've been. I know what you said. I know how you've thought. You did the unthinkable. You hurt people. You did it wrong. It was evil. It hurt, but I'm here and I restore you and you're mine. You'll always be mine. You will die being mine. You will live forever being mine. You are mine, Peter. And around that fire, a man who was broken in remorse rose up restored in the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, there's people in this room, I guarantee you, you live your life in remorse. You live your life because of things you did or things that were done to you. Bless you, if that's the case. You live your life... In a, in a place where you're always trying to uh, be remorseful and, and remorseful and feel guilty, but then run away from Jesus. Today, this passage calls you to stay within his gaze and know that he knows where you are and he loves you no matter what. And he wants to restore and renew your life. He, you have purpose in Christ. You have status in Christ. You have life in Christ. You have freedom in Christ. Jesus is present with us. He sat around the fire with Peter and he's with us today. And he loves you. For Peter, Peter left with this feeling of Jesus didn't forsake me. He knew that he's still for me. He's not against me. I'm loved by Christ. I'm secure in Christ. I'm not defined by that moment of denial. I'm defined by who Jesus says that I am. He says that, I'm, that, he, that I am his. Listen, no matter where you've been, who you are in Christ doesn't change. Know who you are in him. He loves you. Hear his words spoken over. You turn from the things that break your life and destroy your walk and turn to Jesus. 
Turn to Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. Wherever you are, whatever you've said, whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, know that Christ sees you. And he desires to restore and renew your life. Father, I ask that you would do a great work in this room today. I, I pray that you